All right, well, let's turn to Matthew 28, verse 18. We started a series last week called Commission. Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, this is Jesus speaking. He said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Mark 16, 15. Parallel verse of Scripture. This was before His ascension. He is uh, giving the Great Commission. It says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly... It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Notice in verse 15, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Notice, we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and then it says whoever believes is going to be saved and baptized. Baptized means that you are uh, immersed in him. There's multiple baptisms spoken about in the word. Okay, there is water baptism, but baptized just means to dunk. When you, there's so many scriptures that talk about us being in Christ, in him. That's what that means. Now, you, you'd have to contradict the rest of scripture to say, Jesus is talking about water baptism as if, if you don't get dunked, you're not going to heaven in water. Some people teach that. That contradicts so many. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that you will be saved. Water baptism is an outward expression of an inward truth. It's a symbol. Amen? <laughs> it, it's, it's not, it doesn't save you. But keep that verse up. Notice what it says, though. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So we're to preach the gospel to every creature, and they that believe are going to be saved. Notice, those that don't believe are going to be condemned. It didn't say, you go and save the people. It says, you preach the gospel. If they receive it, they're going to be saved. If they believe, they'll be, received, they'll, they'll be saved. If they reject it, they won't be saved. They'll be condemned. You don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. We preach the gospel, though. Luke 24, verse 46. It says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. 
Notice in verse 47 it says that the repentant, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. It said, you are witnesses of these things. Well, you're not a direct witness, you and I aren't, but we have received the word and now we're to do the same thing. We're to go and preach the gospel. And then he said he's going to send the promise of the Father. He said, wait. He said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem, verse 49, until you are endued from power from on high. Well, that's something that goes along with this. You're supposed to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in order to be the best witness you can. That goes with this. It's not optional. He said it in the same uh, area. Now let's look again at um, the, well, we'll, we're not going to put it up on the screen, but um, the word commission, I'm going to read you some definitions of commission. This is called the Great Commission. You can see this is what Jesus is doing here when you see these definitions. It says a formal, it could be a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duties. Well, we don't have something written uh, originally, but now we do. We have the Word of God that we just read that says that we have the power to go do what God has called us to do through Jesus. It said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and these signs will follow you. Well, He's giving us authority and giving us the commission to go and share the Word of God. Uh, verse or the, the second meaning says an authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform prescribed acts. The Great Commission is a command. It's not optional. He said, go. He didn't say if you feel like it. Didn't say if if you know think you're qualified. He said go. So that means we're to go. That means we have what we need. That means we're able. We're able to do what He told us to do. If Jesus said, told us to do something, don't you think He knows what we're capable of and not capable of? Of course He does. Well, it's not my personality. Jesus didn't say that. There's no, there's no asterisk in my Bible that says, you know, a long list of all the things sometimes we say. No. It's, it says it's a command for us to do what he said to do. Verse 3, or not verse 3, the, the third meaning, an authority to, to act for or in behalf of or in place of another. Wasn't that what we're doing? Jesus isn't here in the flesh. He's not in Massachusetts and in New Hampshire in the flesh. But you are. But I am. And then those online, you may live in different states, different areas even of the world. Jesus is not there in body, but He's there in spirit. The spirit of the living God, the, the greater one, we were talking about this on Wednesdays, the, the greater one dwells in you and is with you, and you have the spirit of Almighty God in you as a Christian, and so we are to operate in this great commission with His power in His stead to continue His work, enabled by His strength and His ability. Not supposed to be our job to do it in and of ourselves. He, we're supposed to do it cooperating with Him because it's His work. 
It also means a, a task or matter entrusted to one as an agent of another. Did you know you were an agent? Sometimes we're secret agents. <laughs> sometimes you need to be, sometimes it just, that's the way it happens. We don't need to be secret about this, but we are an agent of the Lord to get the job done. Now, some synonyms for commission are delegate, deputize, some things related to commission, assign, charge, appoint, designate, name, nominate. You know, Jesus gave, if you're a Christian, Jesus gave you this commission. He gave me this commission. He assigned it, charged, appointed. He deputized us. We are to act on His behalf in this area. Every area that He's given us authority. Jesus entrusted us with this. You imagine what God did with Jesus, who is God. He's on the earth, and He entrusted the future of His work to these disciples. Twelve apostles, you know, Judas went off, but they replaced Him, but these Original 12 disciples or uh, apostles and all these disciples, he entrusted the future of the church to these men on the earth. Entrusted them. Well, every one of those original apostles and disciples have gone on to be with the Lord. Not a single one of them is here. But guess who is here? You, me, and he's entrusted us. Now he's looking to us. You can look around and say, well, it's somebody else. No, it's, it's us. When you get up in the morning, you're looking in the mirror. That's who he's talking to. Now, maybe we didn't know. Maybe we thought that was somebody else's job. That's the guy on TV's job. You know, go to big meetings. You know how few people will get into this stuff later. There's so much. We got, well, that's why we trust God to help us get out what we need to get out, put aside what we don't need to. You know, it, it, the percentages are so small of people that get saved in big meetings. A few do. You know how most people get saved? Come to know Christ? One-on-one. -on -one. You're more powerful than you think you are. I don't mean that in a new age way. You have more influence. I will say this. I heard somebody say, you, you, you uh, on average, influence a thousand people directly in your lifetime. Well, each of those people, on average, would influence a thousand people. That means you're one degree away from influencing a million people. And you're two degrees away from influencing a billion people. That means you impact somebody. You think, oh, I just, I didn't do much. They impact, what you did impacted every one of them, every one of the people they impact. That's just a person. Not somebody with a big platform. Just you. Just me. 
Sometimes we delegate or relegate it to somebody else. That's somebody else that has the quote-unquote anointing. There are people that are anointed to preach and teach and, and evangelistic. That's not just their job. This is all of our job. It's exciting, though, to step into that and to know, wait a minute, I have more influence than I thought I did, and it's my job. You know, if you're at work and your, your manager comes and, you know, you didn't realize something was your job, and you said, well, no, 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 this is your job. Oh, is, your, is our reaction, well, so? Hopefully not. You may be looking for another job. Don't take any of this as condemnation. We're just reading the Word. We, we need, sometimes we need to, you know, the, the Word will just put spotlights on things. But if, if we're at work and we realize that's part of our description, then what's the proper response? Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. How would you like me to do that? We'll get into more of that, I believe. Let's look at Matthew 9, verse 35. You just be trusting God with me. We pray, you know, before the service for a reason. We want this to come out the way the Lord would have us to come out. We don't want to squelch things. We don't want to go into things. I just, that's why He leads us and guides us, and it comes out right. Then we, everybody gets what they need to, and we get the job done. But it's not, this is not a talk. You need to understand, you don't have everything just laid out. That, that can be so dry. We need to be flowing with the Spirit of God, but we have, you know, we prepared, have things, but we need it to come out and touch on what we need to, to touch on. So you're believing with me, right? As we get into this thing, there is so much here. I believe we're going to come up. All of us. Every one of us. Matthew 9, verse 35. God has a great work He's going to do on the earth. And He is doing it. But He's going to use us to do it. Everybody say, if you can agree with it, say, I'm available. Raise your hand to the Lord. Let's just take a minute. Say, I'm available. To do, what you want me, to do what you want me to do. Use me. I'll do it. With your help. I'll do it. Praise God. Matthew 9, verse 35. Let's look at this. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's go back to verse 36. It says, But when he saw the multitudes, Jesus, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were, they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples that the harvest truly is plentiful, plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Let's look at it in the NLT. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. 
like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples that harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Notice verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Notice that. Verse 37. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. Let's look at John 4, verse 34. He said the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. John 4, 34 says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Do you, do, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Now he said... In verse 35, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. We read in in Matthew, it said the harvest is truly plentiful. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Jesus said it's ripe. Now, there have been dry times throughout history. But even in those times, Jesus' words are true. The harvest is is plentiful. There are people on the earth that need to be saved and that will come to Christ. In 2021, with the billions of people on the planet and the billions of people that don't know Jesus, the harvest is as plentiful as ever. And when we look around, it's just like what it says here that Jesus looked at the multitudes. And he said they were confused and helpless. The New King James said, weary and scattered. Do you see any of that in the earth? People are confused. People are, they feel like they're helpless. They're weary. There's so many that don't know Jesus that don't know the gospel. People are more ready than you think they are. Many people are more open than you think they are. The Bible said the harvest is right. Just look up. We need to look with the right eyes and do do and act on what God said and believe He knows what He's talking about. I mean, for us to say there's not a harvest, I mean, in this day and age, we have to be looking at the wrong thing. You know what the lie is? No, we're in the postmodern age. People don't want Jesus. People don't believe in quote-unquote religion. Well, they may not believe in religion. Religion is not a relationship with Jesus Christ. Religion is man's doing. It's made up stuff. How man, ha, men have understood or thought or made up how they should relate to God. And then they teach that to other people. 
And that is why we have the Word of God, so we can distinguish what is true. What is the gospel? What has the Lord done for us? And what is just somebody's opinion? Don't be fooled by ideas that sound like Christian. See, there are so many people in the world that are listening and looking to things that they think sound kind of Christian. I'm not even I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about people that are looking for God. They don't know they're looking for God. I'm talking about people in the world. Everybody is looking and searching for something, and that is to be in a relationship with their Creator. And people try to fill it in all kinds of ways. And they look to different ideas. And a lot of people in this day and age, people accept things that, as Christian, that are nowhere near Christian. They're New Age, they're you know, occult, they're different things. You say, how could that be? No, there's influences, and, and people are like, oh, they, that sounds like God. You know, God's just everywhere in, in every one of us. And, you know, I'm talking not aside from a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, people say, well, everybody has God. And that's all, that's New Age nonsense. That's not what the Bible said. If you're apart from Jesus Christ, you don't have God. You're condemned. We just read. That's not true. But people, they, they start going, well, see, I have a spiritual belief, and I kind of understand this, and then this person says something about Christianity, and they hear a little bit of, of something, and they, they ascribe it to truth, and then they think they're Christian, and they have no clue about actually being a Christian. Do you realize people are pastored by all kinds of ideas and people and things on the earth? There is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He put people, men and women, into positions, and when we're talking about a pastor, to be an under-shepherd, to be uh, His under-shepherd on the earth, to represent what He's doing in the earth, and, and to, to help uh, people walk along in their journey, and to preach the gospel, and you have different gifts in the body of Christ that are meant to help uh, build up the body, but you, that's the real but then you have everything else in the world, and just because somebody doesn't ascribe to Christianity does not mean who they were created to be as a human being, and the longing they have to know God and to know truth goes away. It doesn't. So they're just going to substitute something else for it. You know, all the followers that certain people have on social media and stuff, those are people, those followers a lot of times, uh, in different uh, different ways, are looking to those people to guide them. And, and hang, I mean, in some cases, I'm not saying, you know, some people just, you're just following somebody to find out stuff, but I'm talking about people that are looking for stuff. There's YouTube channels, there's different videos where people are looking to a source of truth. Ooh, I found this person speaks something that I agree with, and it's not the Bible, and it's not based on the Word of God, it's not the truth, it's just something that somebody's saying and people say, I, you know, I, I like that truth, and, and they believe it, and then the person says something, and they live their life by it, that's what actual pastoring is. That's the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is supposed to be our guide. But people are being, you know, shepherded along in life by all kinds of stuff, apart from the Word of God. You, they wouldn't say it like that, 
but they're looking for things. They're looking for something they can latch on to and say, this is true. Because as we all know, that, ha that concept has been turned upside down even more so in the last year. People, when they thought something was solid, it it's not even remotely solid. They realize it's rotting underneath. People they thought would tell them the truth lied to them. Well, they were always lying to them, but they, the people are coming out and they realize. So they're looking for something they can put some weight on. They're looking here, they're looking there, and they may seem like they've gone past a certain point. You know, they're not going to believe. The lie is, well, people just won't believe. They're, they're too, quote-unquote, educated, or they have too many you know, arguments of Christianity. Uh, don't buy that lie. That's not true. Some people will harden their heart. It's true. Not everybody's going to come to the Lord, but they need to hear the gospel and make the decision. They need to know how to come to Jesus. What is the gospel? What does it mean? What, what makes a Christian? In case you're wondering, it's believing in your heart, uh, confessing the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. You've got to come to that realization. Didn't say you do a bunch of works. Didn't say you jump through a bunch of religious hoops. Didn't say you go to a certain church. It said you have to believe what Jesus did, that, that you need a Savior. You have to come to that realization. You have to come to the, the, re, the, the belief that Jesus is the Savior of all mankind. You have to believe that He rose from the dead and that if you confess Him, you will be saved. You have to come to that. And as you do then, you can a person can be saved. Well, people don't know that. Think, well, they, you know, that's self-evident. No, they don't. They, a lot of people think just however. They think they read some book, so it makes them saved. They think it had somebody that mentioned the word Christian. Or they quoted a Bible, ver a Bible verse. <laughs> you can make the Bible say anything you want. And so people look at that. And they're looking. They want to understand. You may, you may not think they want to understand. Oh, they don't want to. The devil tell you. No, don't say anything to them. They're too hard. You'd be surprised. And I would too. You don't know where somebody's heart is. How are you going to know? I'm not talking about, and we'll get into this more as we go on. We're not talking about going and, uh, you know, taking somebody by the shoulders and shaking them and telling them they're just going to go to hell if they don't repent right on the spot. Some people might respond to that, but a lot of people aren't. We are endued with power for a reason and endued with the Holy Spirit so that we can know and, and, and flow with Him and what He's doing. How is He working? Because we're working with Him. Not supposed to be your little uh, you know, process of, of doing it and running a play. It's supposed to be, what is He saying? We're supposed to flow with Him. But there is a harvest. And it's part of us, our job, our commission, to do something about it. You know, I'm not, I'm from Nebraska. There's a lot of agriculture in Nebraska, but you know, I didn't grow up on a farm and I haven't worked on a farm a day in my life. Now, my mom grew up in Missouri. She could tell you something about working on a real farm. You know, she had three brothers and, and her, and, you know, they, they worked on the farm. 
and they brought in the crop and know something about that. I don't. But I know from people that do. When you're bringing in a crop, you don't sit on your hands and be like, well, it's there, but you know, it'll probably be there in five months too. No, it won't. It'll be rotten. We don't know how long the window's going to be open, but what, what we do know is the window's open now. And the harvest is ripe now. And we're not talking about wheat or corn. We're talking about people. People. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. I'm a little ahead of myself, but that's okay. We'll catch up. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Given who? Given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's look at this in the NLT, same passages. Verse 17 said, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. This is what we want for people. We have the new life and thank God for it. Thank God that you and I have somebody shared somehow. We found out we could have been watching a television program. We might have gone to a crusade. It might have been a neighbor that shared with us. It might have been, in, in my case, it was people that shared with my parents. And then they shared with me. And I got born again at a very young age. Thank God for it. Thank God that we... If, we, if we've trusted Christ, we know Him, we have a glorious uh, future in heaven. Right now, we can reach out to Him, talk to Him at any point. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. We, we can have all our needs met through Him. We can walk in a life that honors Him and that He'll take care of us. And we can be healed of anything that comes against our bodies. And we can be fulfilled. But there are people that have never had that experience. They don't know the truth of God's Word. They don't know that they can be a new creature. Thank God. We can, this is a familiar verse of Scripture scripture to people that have been around the word of faith movement anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person a new creature and we can say thank god i'm a new creature thank god i'm a new creation thank god everything i did in the past has all been washed away and we can rejoice in that and we can get grounded in that and we can live in that but there are people that have never known that truth and don't know what it is to know god they don't know what it is to wake up in the morning and to, to know that the Father in heaven is their Father. They don't know that they could be right with Him. 
They may be living completely in sin, completely lost in every way in life. They could be looking like everything on the outside looks just great to people, but inside they're dying because they don't know where they're really going in life. They don't understand truth. They may be able to spout to you many uh, arguments and, and uh, debates and everything, but inside they don't know. And we can't sit on this in our lives. Thank God we can know, but we can also say it to somebody else and speak it because there is a world that's waiting just for this. Look at the next verse. It says, and, well, let's look at 17 and then we'll go into 18. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. Read that again. God has given us this task. He's given who? Us. What? This task of what? Reconciling people to Him. That's our task. Now, we all have a different part to play in the greater body of Christ, but this task is every one of us, every one of ours. God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him, for God was in Christ reconciling the Word to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making His appeal through us when we speak for Christ, or we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We're speaking for Him. We're giving Him a voice. Say, wasn't He almighty? Can't He do whatever? He, he doesn't force anybody to bow the knee to Him. And He's ordained that the gospel would be preached through men and women just like us to give Him an, him an avenue to speak to their hearts. Now, they can close the door. They can also open the door. But He's given us that task. To do and continue the work that Jesus began. We're to finish His work. Look real briefly at John 4.34. We were there, but I want you to notice this part of it. John 4.34. Said Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Then after this he said, Look up, the harvest is already white. But it says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He's saying, My my food is to do the will of the Father. Then he gave us, we read in those first few verses and, and these verses as well. Then he turned around and he gave us the task of continuing his work, which is the work of the Father and his will. And he gave, he said, his food is to do the work of the Father. Well, our food is to do his work and to carry it on. He 
He has ordained and given us the ability to do that. What is His work? Well, we just read some in 2 Corinthians. He came. Look at, look at John 3.16. Why, why, did, why did Jesus come? It says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Well, we just read this is the will of Him who sent Jesus. What? To the, so the world could be reconciled to Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's His work. He came so that people that believed in Him would not perish. So we are carrying that on. Look, look Luke 19, 9. We read some of these verses last time. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's why he came, is to seek and save that which was lost. Those who were lost. Those that are in the world. So when we look around the world and we know the harvest is ripe, we need to understand several things. Number one, there's a harvest. It's ready. Number two, Jesus came to save those that are lost, which is the harvest. And number three, He gave us, to our, us the task to bring it in. So there is a harvest. You can't say, well, there's nobody, care, nobody cares, nobody wants, nobody that I know wants to, to hear. That's not true. And if it's, if we skip down the list a little bit, if it's our job to do what Jesus came to do, He gave us the task, He came to save the, to save the lost. He gave us the task to help out. If we then say, well, but there's nobody to help out, something's broken in there, we have to go to him and say, well, I don't see anybody, but you surely can occupy me with something. What do you want me to do? Have you ever been in a place where you, you want to do something and you don't have anything to do? It's like people are you know, doing a job. Well, how can I help? What can I do? God doesn't have anybody that He's just putting on the sidelines in this area. Now, we'll talk about more in, in, in areas in general and in things. But in this area, well, you know, I guess I just can't help out in bringing the harvest. I heard one gentleman talking about how, uh, you know, when he was little, you know, he grew up in an agricultural society. And when it was harvest time, everybody was involved in the harvest. And his job when he was five, he would bring sandwiches out to the people, the men that were taken in the harvest. That was his job. He'd bring refreshments. He's helping to bring in the harvest. But he, he was able to do it. And we'll talk more about that, I believe, in, in different areas. But in this, in this thing, where we're talking about just being, being able to share, all of us have that task. All of us have part of it. So then we, need, we can go to God and say, well, Lord, it doesn't look like I have somebody to reach. Well, show me. Because I know you didn't give me a task. If the harvest is ripe and you've made me part of it, so where, where do I fit in? How do I do this? If Jesus came to seek and save the lost and came and He mentioned the harvest and He said, look, it's ripe, 
then reaching those that haven't heard the gospel must be one of our priorities. If he came to seek and save the lost, and it's ready to be saved, then it's got to be our priority to get that done. We can't make another priority. If Jesus came, that so ever who believed on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that he came to seek and save the lost. And we're to do what he gave us. He gave us the task of reconciliation then. Logically, what's the next thing that we should be asking? <laughs> okay, that, how do I get that done? Because I need to help out with that. That's my, that's my priority, priority. Now, that doesn't mean we drop everything else. We can have good services. We can have the teaching of the Word. We can be built up, but we can't drop that. We have to say, well, how can I get that part done too? The Lord is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth to come in. It is harvest time. It has been throughout history. But here's a thought. You're not going to get to harvest in anybody else's lifetime anyway. For the Christian, this is the only shot you get. You say, well, Jesus may be coming back, you know, soon or not. You would think He is, but... Let's say he doesn't for 150 years. And I know everybody's going, oh, there's no way. Just know that's what we're saying, and I believe that's probably true. Just know there's people 50 years ago that thought the same thing. They thought there's no way I'm going to grow up without Jesus coming back. And they're senior citizens now. (laughs) Is this true or not? I've heard multiple witnesses talk about, you know, they didn't want to bring people into the world, children into the world, because they thought it was too bad in the 60s and 70s. Well, look around. And then we just stop the work of God because, well, no, we keep going because, you know what, this is your lifetime. All these commands were to the church, and this is the shot we get. So we're not going to bring out in the harvest in anybody else's lifetime. This is the lifetime. So it's ripe in our lifetime. If they were, you know, read this 150 years ago, and they did, it was ripe then too, but different time period. But we're in a time period where there are more people on the planet than there ever have been. And there are more people that don't know God than there ever have been just because there's more people. A lot of people thank God for the people know, that are coming in. But, Jesus, but, but the Lord, it, He's the Lord of the harvest, and it's time. It's ready, it's ready for us. Look at James 5, 7. Just leave that up. I made a comment here. Our task is to bring in the harvest. It's not going to bring itself in. Now don't take, none of what we're saying is to condemn any of us. This is just, we're, we're, we're just exhorting based on the word of God. That we can act 
on what he said, and we have the authority, we have the enablement, we have the command, and, he, and it's, it's there, and it's ready. Outside these walls right now, the people wondering, you know, where they are in life. People wondering what is true, what is not true. Maybe grappling with the, with the they might have heard something somebody said, but they're not certain. Another witness, another witness, they need another witness to come by and just say something to them. We'd be led in that. Look at James 5, verse 7. It says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Look at the NLT. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring, they look eagerly for the valuable harvest to ripen. What did Jesus say about the harvest? It's already ripe. It's already there. It's already ripe. Like I said earlier, <clears throat> we don't know how long the window of opportunity will be open, but it's open now. What we do know is if Jesus waits and doesn't come back, the death rate on the earth is 100%. What that means is, if Jesus doesn't come back for 150 years, not one of us will be here. Everybody is going to die. And it's a matter of where they're going to go. It's a matter of what kind of life they're going to live. Jesus said, the Lord said here, that uh, through James, the precious fruit of the earth. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. The precious fruit of the earth is what Jesus came to seek and save, which is the lost. He came so that people that believed in Him could have eternal life. That's His, his heart. And then they can grow up and know Him and walk with Him and grow into a relationship and increase. That's all His heart. He's been patient. And we don't know how long it's going to go on. But what we do know, I mean, really, at the end of the day, you can't do anything about that. Except you can get your part of the work done. We can hasten his return as we get the work done so that everybody uh, that's going to come in will come in. So that's what you can do. But you, when I say you can't do anything about it, you, you can't change the general timing. You can do your part. But you talking about it's not going to change anything. Me talking about like discerning and, or debating and, you know, what this scripture means and that scripture means and, well, when do you think the Lord's going to get done? The only thing we could actually do is get about the work so we get to the place where it could happen. That's it. That's the only lever I have to pull. And at the end of the day, I just want to be doing what he called me to do when he shows up. Either he's going to show up or I'm going to go to meet him, one of the two. And either way, I want to be saying, well, I was doing what you told me to do, and I was going about your priority and getting the job done, and here I am, or howdy, here you are. Amen? 